Welcome to That's What She Pled with attorneys Christina Goldberg and Julie Lurson from Lurson Goldberg LLC, law powered by women. It's time to shake up the old standards of law and of business. Join these two witty, intelligent, and sassy female business owners who are taking their industry by storm, challenging stereotypes, and shattering ceilings. These two are on a mission to educate, empower, and support not only their own clients, but other powerhouse female entrepreneurs. Come for a laugh and stay for the vibe as Julie and Christina hold nothing back and share the truth of what it is to be female attorneys and business owners through discussion of current events, original stories, and inspiring guests. Now, on to the show. Happy Tuesday, y'all. It is another episode of That's What She Pled. I am Christina Goldberg, and I'm here with my law partner, Julie Lurson. And we have an incredibly exciting, amazing, incredible guest with us today who happens to be a longtime friend of Julie's. So uh, let's get right into it, Julie. Okay. And happy Wednesday for those of you that think today's Wednesday, Christy. No, but we air on Tuesdays, Julie Lurson. Oh, okay. So there is a reason why you said happy <laughs> so, Tuesday. It is. I thought it was because Labor Day made this made for a short week and oh. we're confused. No, All right. it's a Wednesday that we're recording, but we'll actually air on a Tuesday. Okay. That's okay. Well, so yeah, today's memory day lane. I'm going to go spend some time with a friend of many years. Um, she is a friend of mine from our army days. She's done a lot over the course of her legal career, and she most assuredly qualifies as a kick-ass lawyer and a kick-ass woman. And so she is perfect to as a guest of ours. We both, as I said, are spent and met in the Army. We worked for, as we used to call it, the world's largest law firm, the Army JAG. It was the 90s, for those of you that are curious. Although we were working for the largest law firm in the world, it turns out that in actuality, it's it's a pretty small group. There are lots of offices, but people move frequently in the military. And so it's kind of that seven degrees of separation phenomenon. So after stints um, in Germany and then in the Washington, D.C. area, Maria Chapa Lopez landed at the Home for Army Lawyers, the home for, it's, it's affectionately known as T-JAGS at, at our time, um, the JAG School. It's located actually in my hometown. And it so happened that she landed there in the middle of her military career for a year of schooling. She was going to be getting a postgraduate LLM degree. And I happened to be stationed at the JAG school. I was, as we affectionately called it, the Pajah. That was the Frenchified version of my job title, which was post-judge advocate or PJA. Pajah. Anyway, Maria's next move from the JAG school was, I think, probably possibly going to be a much quieter position, or so she thought. She landed at the Aberdeen Proving Grounds in Maryland. Um she was second in command of the office there. But as it turned out, she got there just as the Army's biggest sexual assault scandal broke out. And so it turned out that she was pretty busy. Um, unfortunately, there were officers and NCOs that had been taking advantage of trainees. And so that resulted in a lot of um, court martials and that sort of thing. Anyway, after 12 years, Maria left active duty. She was a lieutenant colonel. She started wearing civilian clothes and landed an hour north of where I live 
in Tampa, Florida, um, working as a assistant U.S. attorney in the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Middle District of Florida. She spent most of the next 20 years heavily involved in prosecuting drug crimes, and I'm talking serious stuff, drug trafficking, money laundering, organized crime. She spent lots of time in the Southern Hemisphere. She's actually spent a good year and a half in Mexico helping them prosecute all kinds of drug-related crimes, ultimately leading to the prosecution and extradition of someone named Chapo that people may have heard of. And she culminated her career as the U.S. attorney for the entire Middle District of Florida, which covers a pretty wide swath, um, starts in Jacksonville and makes its way across the state through our area down to Fort Myers. And she has now moved on. She's no longer with the U.S. Attorney's Office, but she is still at it. She now works as a legal consultant to the UN's Office of Drugs and Crime, and again, is working heavily in the Southern Hemisphere, helping them and us with our ongoing war on drugs. Although I've spent a fair amount of time making an introduction, I've barely skimmed the surface when it comes to Maria's career and life, um, but I think it's really time for us to hear from Maria. So welcome, Maria. Welcome, Maria. Thank I'm you. Thank you. I'm so happy to to be here. And Julie, I'm so proud of you. This is so exciting. I've been listening to your podcast since I saw the alert of the, um, like you said, powered law powered by women, amazing women. And you guys are amazing women. I'm so excited to be here with you guys. Well, oh my we gosh, are humbled yes. um, because you are a force. And so it means a lot. You've been a dear friend and a, a consummate cheerleader and supporter of mine and us. So we're thrilled to have you. Let's jump in, Maria. Okay. Tell us, tell us a little bit about your family background, because that in okay. and of itself is cool. Where'd you okay. grow up? Well, I was born in Chicago, so kind of been across the United States. Was there as a kid, was the oldest of five, first generation American. My parents are from Mexico and went to Catholic school, which kind of foreshadows my army discipline. I don't know what the hell happened. What, I mean, I don't know what got me to like, because I, I swore after Catholic school, no more uniforms, no more, no more discipline. And I joined the army. But anyway, that um, worked out for you. It worked out. It worked out great. No, it's like, I wouldn't trade that for anything. And I'll tell you why in a minute. But no, I mean, it's, it's, uh, like I said, I went to Catholic school. I was a nerd overachiever. Um, as the oldest, I guess I felt like I had to like, I always had that sense of set an example for my siblings and I don't know make my proud parents proud blah 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 and so so yeah so I that's where I come from we moved to Texas when I was about 10 uh, became a Texan I although I was born in Chicago it, you know I felt like I was a Texan for a long time now I'm a Floridian I've been here 20 plus years um, but yeah I mean that's that's kind of my background first generation American took advantage I mean not took advantage but I appreciated and realized the opportunities that were offered to me based on my on my background and, and my abilities. I'm fluent in Spanish, grateful to my parents for insisting on that. As you can see, it's made a big difference in my career because the opportunities I've had have been primarily initially based on the fact that I was able to assist because I'm fluent in Spanish. And I'll talk a little bit about that more as we get into my career. But yeah, I mean, that's kind of where I come from. Well, I think I know my next question, and I think mm -hmm. I kind of know the answer to it. Um, so Christy knew when she was 12 mm -hmm. that she wanted to be a lawyer. She watched the OJ Simpson trial and Marsha <laughs> Clark was her hero. Okay, you're a baby. Oh my goodness. I, <laughs> I, was, I was in the army already. <laughs> well, earlier Julie was saying we're talking the mid-90s, and I almost I almost helped y'all out with I was, you know, 12. But 
Oh, okay. I didn't. Yeah, so, don't rub yeah. it in, Christy. Yeah, most of my lawyer, <laughs> most of my lawyers were like, I was in um, in kindergarten during the 9-11. I'm like, oh my God, I was oh in like my, my third career by then. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so Christy yeah. knew immediately or not. I mean, she knew at a young yeah. age. I, on the other hand, I, I had to take my time and it took me a while to figure out whether I really wanted to go to law school. So mm-hmm. Well, yeah. What about yeah. you? What made you. you decide law school? Oh, I, I knew, I knew, I knew probably around the same time as Christy, about mm-hmm. 11 or 12, mm-hmm. um, that I wanted to be a lawyer and that I had to be good and have good grades and go to college. And so, yeah, so that kind of set me on a even more nerdy path, but, but yeah, I, and it was okay. OJ Simpson, that was like already in my middle of my career. What got me that I would love watching. And I don't know why my parents would watch TV shows like Omen Marshall and Ironside and all that. And I'm like, I want to be that. I want to do that. I can argue. And it drove my parents crazy because I, I was a, an argumentative kid. I was like, that doesn't make any sense. Why are we doing it that way? Yep. <laughs> They're like, oh my God. So yeah, so I was kind of, pre, kind of predestined to do that. And I liked politics, political science. I liked debate. I took speech and debate in junior high and high school. And my debate coach cemented it for me and said, Maria, this is, this is you, this is what you got to do. I mean, not that you got to do it, but this is kind of where your path leads. So yeah, so I knew pretty much early on that this is, that I liked it. It was scary, but I liked the thrill of it. I liked the edginess of it, the fight. And there were days when I was as a lawyer, as an actual litigator was like, why am I doing this for a living? I'm stressed out all the time. There's people who just go through life. There's no, you don't have, there's there's no winning or losing. It's just like a good day. And for me, it's like, okay, if I don't do this right, I'm going to lose. I can't lose. I can't afford to lose. But yeah, I knew pretty on, I knew early on that this is, this is what I wanted to do. I think we're like long lost sisters. That's so, when you said earlier, you're, you were kind of a nerd and the good grades and you had to make your parents proud. And that was exactly, that was all of it. And then growing up, Mm -hmm. I'm sure you heard it all the time too. Like you, you just, you should be a lawyer. I mean, even at at age five, Mm -hmm. at age 10, you should be a lawyer because you just, yeah. you argue. And what is it? Don't, you know, don't raise your voice, improve your argument. That's one of, I have that quote sitting yes, on my desk, you exactly. know, but same thing. Although with what, I mean, with what I'm sort of fangirling a little bit because with what, with what Julie and I do, I mean, it's, it's respectable and we do a great job for our clients, but it is nothing like what you have, yeah. have found yourself doing throughout your career. I mean, I'm, I'm sort of, I want to be you when I grow up, but yeah. <laughs> did you know what? sort of law you wanted to practice or you just knew law Mm, law but international I had the the like I I always wanted to do something in the international arena I don't know how I was going to get there um so is that how you embassy work went from law school into the army jag corps was that one of the big draws or Mm, a little a little bit, a little bit, except that I didn't know any, I'm not an army legacy family. I don't know anything about, obviously my parents are not from here. So I don't, I didn't know anything about the army. People thought I was insane, but <laughs> yeah, but what, yeah. what happened again, it's like, it, again, it's like a little bit about like, I mentor a lot now and I'll talk about that at the end about what I'm doing today. But it's like when opportunities just kind of fall in place, you're just like, okay, this is like a message from whatever you believe there's a message coming down. I graduated from college. And my mother had passed away. So I took a year off. She met, she, she passed away my senior year. So I took a year off to kind of pull myself together and figure out what I was going to do next. Uh, knowing that law school was in the, in the future, in my future, but I just had to like kind of figure some stuff out. So I went back home. I was in, at UT in Austin and I went back home to Odessa, Texas. And Odessa, Texas, just for those, whoever's listening, 
Friday Night Lights. That was my high school. That's where, you know, that I was Permian High. So I went back home to work with the DA, um, the DA's office as a legal secretary, legal admin person. And um, it was a great eye opener and a great opportunity because it really, it really cemented for me that this is, I saw lawyers in court and I thought, oh my Lord, I can do better than that. Even if I, don't, <laughs> yes. even if I haven't yes. been to law school. Oh my God. Those arguments, I go, that guy's going to get the death penalty just because his defense attorney can't argue his way out of a paper bag. But yeah, so that kind of cemented it, cemented it for me that I wanted to go to law school. And, but I, I just wasn't, I wasn't sure where or what kind of path. And the guy that I was working for, the young lawyer, had been in the Peace Corps. So we talked a lot about the world and travel. And the only place I'd ever been to was Mexico, which was fascinating. My parents took us all over. So I had a really good sense of it. But he told, he started telling me about he was going to join the military. And he would bring brochures from like the different services and just leave them on my desk and say, Maria, you know, you need to go to law school first of all. Uh, and when you do, you should think about this. You know, you should, it should be, it would be something interesting. And the brochure that caught my eye to this day, I still can visualize it, was the Army Glossy brochure. Now they're on, <laughs> online, but at the time it was like, you can actually mm -hmm. touch it. And it had a picture of a passport with stamps from France and stamps from Germany. And it's just like, you know, all these international stamps. And I'm like, okay, I'm not gonna tell anybody cause they're gonna think I'm nuts, but I'm gonna go to law school and somehow I'm gonna figure out how to do this military thing. And yeah, and, and just to call, just a real quick full circle, I joined, you know, you know, Julie, I joined the army and I was assigned in the DC area and I had to go to the Pentagon for something. And guess who was walking oh. down the hall? And I ran into this guy, his name was Steve Grove. And he was in the Navy, he was a Navy JAG and I was an army JAG. And he like, he couldn't believe that I actually followed, followed through with it. But yeah, that's how I, that's how the military thing came on my radar was, okay, this is something that I want to do. And then I graduated from law school and, and followed through and went to from Houston to San Antonio and interviewed. And I was worried that they they think, oh, my God, you're not what we want. But oh. it was I just think it was, you know, kind of predestined to be. But I mean, you have to work hard. Nothing just is easy. But but I mean, it's like I kind of was already on that path because I knew I wanted to do international somehow get into the inter international work, whatever that whatever that meant, because I really wasn't even clear on what that meant. What I hear is is kind of a nice segue to a question about mentoring and you you alluded to it earlier and and the role that mentors mm -hmm. played in your career who important mentors mm -hmm. were to you what they did for you and and now coming sort of full circle what you do as a mentor to others Hey, sorry for the interruption. I know you're listening to the That's What She Pled podcast and I am so happy you're here. If you have any questions, please head over to lawpoweredbywomen.com or look in the show notes to find out how to reach us. We would love to hear from you. Well, I'll start with Steve being a mentor, Steve Grove. Uh, I mean, to this day, I remember his name just because he took the time to talk to me about, and he was a young, I mean, he was probably in his early thirties, young guy. And it was like, he took, he, it mattered what I did in the future. Cause he just said, Maria, you can't stay here. <laughs> you can't. I'm like, well, I'm not staying here. So, um, so anyway, I would, I would start with him and that, it, that encouragement of like the world is your oyster, my yeah. oyster and it's yeah. huge. And you, yeah, you can do, you can do anything. And then I went on to law school and I mean, I had a couple of people that were really encouraging. My, I mean, my dad was, uh, uh, let me back up. My dad was always very, my mother was a traditional 
you know, Mexican American, Mexican woman who was like, why are you leaving home? You can't leave home. And there's schools here in Odessa and blah, blah, blah. And my dad's like, you're going to college. And you're going to blow this gonna, you know, you're gonna do what you <laughs> You're going to blow. Yeah. You're going to, you're going to be whoever you want to be. You can be whoever you want to be. Literally. I mean, my dad was from Mexico, old, old, old generation, but it was like, she, you can do whatever you want. You can be president kind of thing. So I would say I'd start with him. We all need then, those parents. Um, yeah. I mean, it was like, you can do anything. So, I mean, there's a lot of stories I can tell about my dad in, in the sense that was really emboldening and, and encouraging. I'll just tell a real quick one. When I um, was trying to decide where to go to college and working on scholarships and all that, like getting back to the nerd thing, there was a, one of the high schools in, in my small town would hold, would invite all the universities of, from Texas and they would have like these round, uh, round robin interviews with different representatives, whatever. And my dad didn't know. I just told him, dad, I need to go. I really need to go. I really want to go. And he said, okay. So he put his su one suit on because my dad was a laborer and he put his one suit on and he Aww. took me to, to go to the different I schools. I know. So I'm getting a little emotional, I'm getting a little emotional, but yeah, he was, he was like, okay, is this the school you want to go to? I said, yeah, I think so. And it was my, my, I started out at UT El Paso to kind of ease my mother into the idea that it was close yeah. to Mexico and all of that. <laughs> and then, and then then I blew that pop stand and went to UT Austin. So yeah, so that was the story. My, so I start with my dad and Julie, you know, yeah. General Gray. Oh my goodness. To this I day, that, that man will forever be my godfather and my mentor. In the best sense um, of the word. In a lot of ways. In the best sense. Yeah. Professionally and personally. My leadership skills, people tell me I have great leadership skills. I, I mean, I try to be a good leader. I think I am a good leader, but I think a lot of, and I know that a lot of those skills came from watching him. And I mean, he was the kind of leader who knew all his people's names, their families' names, their kids' names, made sure that what assignment you had made you happy. It was not like, oh, let me see how I can right. mess her life up. And, you know, it's, it's the army mission and I don't care. No, like I did, I did deal with that too. The army is um, a great place him, for finding was, mentors, but yeah, they, they can sort of fall into two categories. Sometimes Some of them there's finding people to advance yeah, themselves, I think, in a way. Yeah. Um, and then yeah. there's, yeah, but I mean, I, it, all in all though, I don't, obviously you, you got to work through those kinds of things, but all in all, I'm going to, I'm going to stay positive. I love the army. I wouldn't change anything about having been in the army. Best decision I made. And I'll say best decision because that's where I yes. met my husband. I met my husband in the army and the general gray that comes into that is I was after cast cube command and staff college. I was supposed to go to Texas. I was supposed to go to, to Fort hood. And then I wasn't in, I wasn't looking for boyfriends. I wasn't looking for anybody. They just, I thought men just get in the way <laughs> of your career. So I wasn't going to date anybody. So I go to Cast Cube and I meet this, I see this cute guy and Edie was with me. So Cast Cube Elmer, is, is, a, is like a three month school that you go to in Kansas. All officers yeah. go from all legal officers, infantry officers. From all branches. And so yeah. another dear yeah. friend of ours and Maria all ended up there and and yeah, Joe, happened, Joe Lopez happened yeah. to be there too. He happened to be there. And I fought it so hard to go there because I was happy in DC. I loved going to DC. And then the, the person who was in the personnel placement position was mm -hmm. Mickey Miller, mm -hmm. Colonel Miller. And so I was whiny, like, don't send me to Kansas in the summer. I don't want to go. Oh my God, don't send me. We'd be, we were runner. Well, Julie, you were a runner too. We were running, we were out on our running trail that day. And I remember at lunchtime and I, and I was whining about, why are you making me go to Kansas? I'm like doing really well. I'm at litigation division. Please leave me here, blah, blah, blah. 
And she's like, Captain Choppa, you will go. And I'm like, oh my God, okay. Oh. She called me by my rank and my name. So much for the name. I guess I'm going. <laughs> yeah, so I guess I'm going. So I, I, I went. I showed up the first day. I'm unpacking my little car. And these two boys walk by. One of them was tall and handsome with pretty eyes. And I'm like, oh my goodness. And Julie goes, that's a cute boy. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, this might not be so bad. And yeah, I mean, it wasn't like right away because did you ever go to Cast Cube? No, Julie, did you I make did it? it. I, you you know, know, I did the no, uh, you... right in version. You lucked <laughs> out. Okay. They let, <laughs> you lucked out in that sense. So, anyway, so the, the first three, two, three weeks, it's like you're in an auditorium with a thousand people. So I never saw him again. And then, like, then they break you down into little groups of 12 people or 10, 11, 12 people per like little classroom. And oh my goodness. There he walks in. It's I'm destiny. Like, okay, wow, meant this to is going to be good. Yeah. It's destiny. Yeah, destiny. So fast forward three months later, I get back to D.C. I go visit General Gray, who'd been my boss. That's how he became my, my mentor. He was my boss. Um, so I go by to see him and see how things are. And he said, so how is Kansas? And I told him that I'd met a boy. And he goes, in the Army? Yes, sir. He goes, well, we got to make this work. Where is Aww. he going to be assigned? And uh, I, told him, I told him he's assigned in, in the Maryland, Baltimore area. And he goes, okay, well, that doesn't work with Fort Hood. <laughs> no, it doesn't. And he said, okay, how about Aberdeen Proving Ground? I'm like, exactly. what's that? I don't even know where that is. It's like Fort Hood. That's like awesome. Where, what, where's Aberdeen Proving Ground? And he said, you ready to be a deputy staff judge advocate? I'm like, oh my goodness. Yes, sir. Whatever you need, sir. So that's how, that's how that happened. And then fast forward to my wedding, Julie, you were there. General Gray came. I mean, it was to this day, that man, I'm still in touch with him. And I think of him and every time I, I do accolades or my mentors, he's front and center. So General Gray, and then I've had a few mentors in the, in the, in, um, in the uh, DOJ, Donna Busella. Right. You know, Don, yeah, you know, Donna, she was the U.S. attorney who hired me, also Army Connection. And then Ken Blanca, who, who worked with me to become the U.S. attorney, introducing me to the attorney general, giving me opportunities to brief the attorney general, giving giving his people, because uh, he was my boss when I was at the, uh, at the embassy in Mexico. I worked for him out of DOJ. And he was like, no, Maria, I don't need to brief the, the AG, you, the general, you come up and brief him. Um, if you want to be the U.S. attorney and you want to meet him, you come up. And so those kind of things I learned that when I became the U.S. attorney, yeah, I was front and center. I was the, the face of the, of the U.S. attorney's office. But whenever I did press conferences on people's accomplishments and great cases and all of that, I always had my AUSAs with me and introduced them and let them talk about so it because right. I didn't do the work. Yeah, they can shine. I mean, if they shine, I shine, which I never understood that I've had bosses too who feel threatened. And I'm like, if you if I do a good job for you, then you look good. And but there's sometimes sometimes people think the the opposite, which is I don't understand that. But anyway. So yeah, so those were my mentors. And I take that to this day. I'm a mentor now with the UN. And, and I'm also, I'm actually an independent consultant. I don't actually work for the UN. Okay. I work with the UN. I do contract work for them. And now I'm also working with the Department of Defense, their Defense Institute of International Legal Studies, doing the same kind of thing. Wow. So yeah, those are just like, when doors open, you walk through them. And I'll, I can talk more a little bit about that. That's part of my mentoring. It's like, oh, should I do this? I said, it's a door. It's an opportunity. If a window closes, that means there's a door opening. So you need to like keep your eyes peeled and get ready to go. Um, and the timing, you can't fix the timing. The timing is going to be when it is. Yeah. And you've got to be ready. So what I love well, yeah. hearing is so, a couple of your, well, at least a couple of your, your, your best, your strongest, most memorable mentors were, were 
strong, powerful men who were willing to, to really help a strong, powerful woman get ahead. And I actually, I love hearing that. Mm -hmm. That's actually really, really refreshing. Even even from, from then, from that time. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a champion for them. I'm never gonna like male bash. I mean, they, I I and people say, oh, women. I have and I, you know, I've had good female mentors, but I've also run into buzzsaws. Oh my gosh, that are females. Um, well, then we run into that yeah, too, that right? Law powered by women. Yeah, is, yeah. That that has no, it has mm-hmm. nothing to do with men or saying we're better than men. And and in fact, we have we have a male attorney working for us because part of part of being strong women is understanding that there's yeah. a right person for the right role. Right. And I don't, together the right we don't team. care what the gender yeah, is, exactly. but yeah, we run into that too, but it's so, it's really, really refreshing to, to, to hear you talk about that. And then just starting from, even with your, with your dad saying to you, you can, you can do and be whatever you want to be. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, it sounds like mm-hmm. he, he probably taught you the difference between being a good leader versus being a good boss, right? There's a difference. Yeah, there's a difference. Yeah. So I want to yeah. talk about something that honestly can really trip me up and that's letting fear get in the way of of the com- the comfortable mm. i mean listen you you have done some big stuff i mean in the military we we prosecute drug crimes right somebody comes up hot on a urinalysis mm. and so they're going to get their yeah. butts kicked out of the military cuz you know we don't we have zero tolerance oh. but i mean listen in your career yeah. you you were dealing with organized crime and international but players and Chapo and people involved in mm-hmm. the Colombian mm-hmm. Cali drug cartel. I mean, scary sounding stuff. Mm-hmm. How do you, uh, yeah. How do you deal with fear? Oh God. Let's see. Well, I mean, I'm attracted to edgy work. I do like having a little bit of adrenaline in my job yeah. <laughs> a little bit, but how do I deal with fear? I mean, it, it's, Again, it goes back to my mentors. You got to set the example because this is this is a, a a world crisis, and it's worse now than it ever has been with the fentanyl. I'm dealing mm-hmm. with that too, and it's just like you can't say, God, somebody's got to do something about that. Somebody's somebody has got to like step up. Somebody has got to like do something. And I and I at, early on I was like, uh, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'm not. But then I realized. I the army thing you got to lead from the front you can't ask Mm -hmm. expect people to to, you sit in your little ivory tower and you can't expect people to go do something that you're not willing to do and again it was like a one I I got I like I left the army and like you said Julia it really put in perspective those unit analysis tests (laughs) but one thing I learned was I was a defense attorney defending those those guys and, and, and actually, I defended some like big homicides and stuff like that. So uh, having been a defense attorney to go into a prosecutor was the best, the best um, uh, transition because I put the agents to the test. I was like, okay, I'm going to blow you out of the, I said this, if I was a defense attorney, this, I'm going to blow you out of the water. This is like a, not a solid case. This is what we need to do. We need to start going to Columbia. We need to start talking to our sources. We need to start whatever. But the way I got involved with that work was that, you know, I didn't start out, I didn't, I didn't go from the army to like, oh, let's, let's, Maria's new, this is her first week, let's give her a Cali Columbia case. No, I started out doing the smaller, you know, nickel and dime crack dime bag cases. And, you know, they're all, they're, there's federal nexus, as long as they had federal nexus, I did the smaller cases for about a year. And then I got called up, because I was on a, it was on a different floor, I got called up to sit through, because I'm, I'm a fluid 
uh, I'm fluent. There were Colombian prosecutors, Colombian Navy, people that brought in wire, like intercept, wire intercepts from Colombia. And my boss, the boss, not, he wasn't my boss yet. The drug guy said, hey, Maria, can you sit, can you sit through a meeting with me? We've got all these people here and just kind of listen to the wires and read through the documents and listen to them, listen to them what, as they do their presentations in Spanish with their PowerPoints and stuff and kind of help me out. I'm like, okay. So I went up there and more, oh my, it was some big guy from Colombia. I can't remember his name or his nickname even. I mean, I do, but I don't want to it's really okay. kind of get into that. But, <laughs> um, but anyway, the bug bit me and I'm like, I want to do this. This is like really, really high speed. This is why I went to law school. This is like really high speed, cool stuff. So I started kind of, you know, um, about three or four months later, the new U.S. attorney came in, Donna left, the new U.S. attorney came in, and he was doing a reassessment of where, where people should go. And I went to talk to him, and I told him that I really was interested in a change, and this is what I, I said, I'm not a new, I'm not a new lawyer. I've been doing this for, you know, at this point, 14 years. I really want to do some exciting, more complicated stuff, and, I, and with my language skills, and my litigation skills and defense, having been a defense attorney, I really want to do this. And so, yeah, so he moved me into the narcotics section. And so I'm doing those cases for a while, the, the big maritime interdiction stuff, which is primarily what I do now, my maritime security person. The, that, that same guy who then became my boss calls me in and says, Maria, I've got this trial. It's probably going to be a four to six month trial on this big guy from Cali. And I need a co-counsel. And, but, you know, just know who he is and what goes with it and the dangers and blah, blah, blah. And I said, okay, can I talk to my husband about it? And so I came in home to, and that's another mentor. I'm not a mentor, but God, the, the support, Joe, right. you know, Joe, he supports me in every crazy thing that I do. <laughs> and he just, you know, he's a lot, he's a local law, local cop. And he just goes, okay, let me know when to pick you up at the airport. So yeah. So I come home and tell him, I said, Hey honey, I got this call. I mean, I had this meeting with Joe, the other, my boss's name was Joe too with Joe and he wants me to second chair or co-counsel with him on this big trial. And this is who this person is and blah, 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 which means I'm going to be bogged down for probably the next two years getting ready for this trial. And he goes, you want to do, I go, but it's, you know, it's, it's a little, it's, I need to, I need, I learned how to shoot. I mean, I learned, I knew how to shoot because I was in the army, but I mean, it's like, I got my weapons permit and all that just to be, get ready. Cause I, the marshals recommended that. And he said, you want to do that? I'm like, yes. And he goes, okay. Let's do it. So yeah, so that's how I got involved with that big Cali case. And yeah, I mean, it was like, a, that was life changing in terms of my abilities. That's when I knew I was a lawyer, because all you know, you, you, you have that what's that syndrome that the imposter yep. syndrome until you actually have to put yeah, you're the whole time I'm thinking, they're gonna find me out. <laughs> They're gonna find out that I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. That I don't know what I'm talking about. And I'm just really good yeah. at bluffing. But there was no bluffing with that with that case. That's when your reputation is set. The community knew. The defense attorneys knew. Don't mess with her. You know, tell their clients you want to go to trial. She's the prosecutor in this other case. Oh my God, no! How do I resolve my case? Order. You know. So that's where you really know if you can handle it for four months straight. It turned out to be four months instead of six, but about four That's and a half lot. months every day, every day, every day. It's a lot. It was very stressful. Couldn't do it today. Wouldn't want to do it today. Um, but it was, it was talk about edgy, but it was energizing and it was just, it was like a riveting mm -hmm. experience. And um, 
so yeah, that kind of set set the tone for the rest mm-hmm. of my career and the rest of you know other stuff so, that I've done. But that's how that's that's how it started. Well, so, so unfortunately, we're running short on time. But I, I I'm wondering, okay, with all of that, yes. how, what do you do to take mm-hmm. care of yourself? Like, because that's a lot of stress. A two year work up to a four to six month trial. Yeah. I mean, you you led an office that had hundreds of lawyers, multiple offices. Work out. Work out. Work out. Yeah. Yeah. I work out a lot. I worked out more than I do now. I mean, just time, time takes a toll. I can't run I anymore. In fact, I was ordered not to, the, my chiropractor goes, no more. No, do not. I recently, for the first time ever, oh, got a good. trainer and I look forward to training with him every three times a week. He knocks, you know, he knocks my butt, but I was kind of, because I was flailing on, if I can't right. run, what do I do? Walking does not do it for me. Walking is like, seriously, that's a scroll. And then I'm just not disciplined enough to, to like every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, do weights. Oh yeah. Okay. I'm done. You know, it's like, I need somebody to tell me you can do it. You got to go. You got to go two more. You got two more. You got five more. You got whatever. And yeah, that is awesome. That's been great. I love going to art fairs, you know, because I think one of the questions you had, you had sent me, Julie was like, what do you, where you see yourself in 10 years? I said, probably still, still a little bit in this, in the mentoring. And because I just, feel like all I've been blessed with all these years of all this experience and all this work. And I just don't want to like, let it go. So I really relish the, the opportunity and that, um, and this goes with your women, uh, law powered by women, my, my mentoring primarily, it's, you know, there's men involved in, in when I go down range or in like the Southern hemisphere, but the women, the women who step up and do this work in their countries, With you asked me about fear, I asked yeah. them about fear, yeah. and they're the same. And the answer is, if I don't yeah. do it, who's going to do it? If I don't step up, this is my country. This is this is my community. This is my families, and this is why I did it too. It's like I did it when the first time I went to Mexico, I was terrified, more terrified than going to Colombia. But I couldn't complain about how I could never go back to Mexico. And I love my I love my culture. I lo- I mean, I'm an American. I love God, red, white, and blue. God bless the USA. But I love my 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 culture, my Mexican culture. And I missed going there and I missed going to the fair art fairs. And just, I just missed going there. And I thought I'll never be able to go again in my lifetime because the, the cartels have hijacked my home, my parents' home country, my, my home, my ethnic country. And, and I'm like, okay, but if DOJ asks me to go down there and I'm terrified, but who is going to go if I don't go? If I don't, you know, step up and do this. And so it was like life-changing when I went down there and I've been going back. I just got back last week for vacation. Now I go for vacation, but I still meet with my, my DOJ friends and my embassy friends and all that. But what I'm doing right now, it's the women are kick out. I mean, they are solid. They're strong. They're in some dangerous yeah. areas. You know, they, their colleagues get assassinated. I mean, it's just really, really, it's really humbling. It's real, but it's because the work I do. Okay. uh, Yeah. I, you know, Julie, you said, Oh, you're humbled. I appreciate that. But these other women that is humbling. I mean, I come home to Joe, I come home to Tampa and I, you know, we meet and, and, you know, we meet in Bogota, but then, or we meet in Panama city or whatever. And then they go back out to their field offices and are dealing with these people on the coast. And I mean, it's just, so yeah, it's they're they're just really, and it's and it's weird because the women, it's like next week I'm having a meeting. We're having a meeting. It's kind of wrapping up a pro, this program I've been working on, and it's, we're going to meet with all the heads 
of the drug offices for Colombia, Ecuador, Panama, and Costa Rica. And three out of the four are wow. women. Very cool. Yeah. So it's very, so when I saw your logo, I'm like, Julie has no <laughs> idea that the women were taking over the, the world. world. Needs, anyway, the world I don't needs offend some of all of us. And you do, you are a yes, trailblazer. I, I said, I don't want to offend anybody. And you, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, help lead are inspired by all kinds of amazing women in their own right. And, you know, life is relative, mm -hmm. but it's, it is, it's inspiring to have all kinds of, I think, empowered people in your lives, particularly women. Um, and so it's been, yes. you know, your friendship is dear, so dear to me, but I'm so grateful that you joined us today and I'm going to end with an easy question. We're going to okay. dinner tonight. Where are we going to go? What, what kind of food are we going to have? Oh. Okay. Um, I was going to say, I can't, lately I've been going gluten-free, so Aww. I don't do too much Italian, sadly, anymore. I know, I know. But, you know, life catches up with you when you just can't, can't yeah. eat like you used to. But, but, the, but here's the thing. What I, I've learned that I really like, like right after this, I'm going to go meet some friends. Talk about kick-ass women, three retired FBI agents, women my FBI girls, I'm going to go have lunch with them. And what we normal, and we're going to ocean, ocean prime. So we could go to ocean prime. We could go to Fleming's. We could go to Columbia restaurant, whatever. I, what the way I like to eat now, and it's just because life is short and you got to try everything. So I, I don't order one thing. I like ordering tapas uh -huh. style. Yes. I yep. like try a little, a glass of wine and let's, yeah. let's order 10 things on the eye on the menu and just try a little bit of different things. And that's how Joe and I eat that way now. I mean, that's just like how I, I, I don't eat. I don't order one big plate for myself because there's 10 other things on the menu that I wouldn't like to try. That's what I would order would be like the smorgasbord of let's try a little bit of everything. All um, right. Just because life it. is short. I love it. Oh, variety is the spice of life. You can check your block and say you've been on a podcast, Maria. I'm so excited. I can't believe it. <laughs> It's the beginning of new, of new great things. No, I, it's, yes. it's been my pleasure and my honor. And, you know, for you, Julie, I would do anything. I'm so proud oh. of you. Um, so oh my gosh. amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Maria, so much for being with us. If somebody wanted to reach out to you, is there a good way for them to reach out to you? Connect with you on LinkedIn? I'm on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is probably the best way okay. where I'm actually there. Um, so LinkedIn, LinkedIn would be the best. Thank you, Maria Chapa Lopez. Thank you, Julie. We got to get Thank together you, Christina. soon. Oh, let's do that. Definitely. Definitely. I need to get down there. I'm, I'm working with Matt Bauer. So oh. and that's, but, but just on personal, yeah, personal stuff, it. but yeah, yeah. But, but he says the same thing. So let's plan something. Yep. Definitely. Perfect. Fantastic. Well, y'all, and that is what she pled. And if you need to reach out to us, you can find us at lawpoweredbywomen.com. And we will talk to you in a couple of weeks. Thank you for listening to That's What She Pled podcast. Don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and do not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Lurson Goldberg lawyers. The content has been made available for general informational and educational purposes only and may not constitute the most up-to-date legal or other information. The content is not intended to be a substitute for legal advice from your individual attorney and the information provided does not and is not intended to constitute legal advice.